thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Here's what I know about the Bible. The, the scriptures will allow us, and I've said this often at Car Street. Some of you have never heard me say it, so I'm going to say it here. The scriptures will allow us to wonder. We're not allowed to wander. So when we look at this story this morning, my challenge to us is going to be, let's wonder what Jesus would say to us if he had a face-to-face encounter. If I had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus, which actually we're going to have when we read the Bible, we have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus, we are allowed to wonder, we're not allowed to wander. So we're not going to wander from the text, but we're going to wonder, God, what is it that you would say? What is it that is on your heart? There was something that was on your heart for the rich young ruler. So as I was praying about this message and Pastor Jason and I were talking about this series leading up to Easter. I titled this message, The Uncertain and Insecure Rich Young Ruler. The Uncertain and Insecure Rich Young Ruler. You may be in here today and you may fall into one of those categories. You may be uncertain. You may be uncertain today about tomorrow. You may be uncertain about your future. You may be uncertain about what God's call on your life is. You may be uncertain about a relationship. You may be insecure. You may be struggling with your identity and thinking you don't fit and you don't belong and could be any number of things. And there's this amazing encounter that Jesus has with this rich young ruler. And so what I find myself often asking is, why did it make the Bible? Why did this story of the tens of thousands of things that could have made the Bible, why did this one make the Bible? And not only did it make the Bible, why did it make three Gospels? Why why do we find it in three Gospels? There must be something about this story that contains in it a timely truth, something that transcends centuries and even millennia and comes right down to 2017, Palm Sunday, where God can say, let me tell you about the rich young ruler, and how it applies to your life. So I often go to the text, and when I read it, this has helped me for decades. And I'm going to give it to you, and it's not even going to cost you anything. Say thank you. you. You're welcome. So you go to the Scriptures, and we can say, so what? So what? It made the Scriptures. So what? Jesus, you told this story 2,000 years ago. So what? 2,000 years ago, this was on your heart and this was on your mind. The follow-up to that needs to be, now what? Now what? Now what? Now what, God? I, I mean, no disrespect to the Scriptures. I'm saying, so what, God? You've captured this story for us in the Bible. Now what? Now what do we do with this story about the rich young ruler. So my expectation today would be simply this for each of us in this room, that we would just do business with God, that we would just come face to face with his word, not worry about what he's saying to someone else or what he's doing in someone else's life or what we're going to have for lunch, but just face to face with God hears what you're saying. So let's bring up our text. Here we go. Opening text. As Jesus started on his way, A man ran up to him and fell on his knees. Notice that. Ran up to him, fell on his knees. Good teacher, he asked. Clearly, he knew something about Jesus. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? 
Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Now here's his response, probably with the wiping of his brow. Teacher, I've done it all. Here's what it says. Teacher, he declared all these things. He didn't say part of them. I mean, here's his confident response to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, I've done all these. I have kept them since I was a boy. So it's not something he just started doing. I've kept this since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Now, if the story ended here, if this encounter with the rich young ruler ended here, it would be okay, but it doesn't because Jesus reads his mail and gets in his business. And here's what he goes on to say. One thing you lack, he said. So all of these things this man has done, and he's done well. One thing you lack, he said. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Now here's his response. Then come follow me, said Jesus, and here's what the man does. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, so just imagine there's a crowd. Everywhere Jesus went, there was a crowd. Jesus looked around and he said to the disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said it again. Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So, Father, enlighten our intellect. As we engage our emotions, we pray you challenge our will. Challenge our will, Father, with your word. Father, thank you that this story is captured in the scriptures. Thank you, Lord, that there was something about this face-to-face -face encounter, Jesus, that 2,000 years later you want us to know. And, Lord, I pray for the revelation of the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. And, Lord, that you would illuminate what it is that you want to say to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's what we know about the story. It's a story that starts with a divine appointment and it leaves us with a divine discovery. This is a divine appointment. This man, this young man runs up to Jesus, passionate about getting an answer. He runs up to Jesus, but then he's left with a divine discovery. But matter of fact, he really wasn't looking for a divine discovery. He was just looking for the affirmation of what he needed to do to inherit eternal life. So I want to talk to us this morning for just a few minutes about the big idea. The big idea of this story. What is the big idea? If we could find one big idea in this story, what could we find? Here it is. Here is the big idea. It's often the one thing that controls your everything. Think about that. It's often the one thing that controls your everything. 
Jesus came face to face with a man that the Bible says was rich, and he was a young ruler. Now, don't talk yourself out of this message because you're either A, not young or not rich, okay? How many of you are not young? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) How many of you are rich? Raise your hand. No, don't raise your hand. Listen, you, thanks, for, thanks for humoring me a little bit. It's been three and a half years since I've had this opportunity, so I appreciate that. But, but here's, here's what I know. This one thing was controlling everything for this rich young ruler. Here's my question to you. Do you have one thing that controls your everything? Is there one thing that controls your everything? This young man did not know it until Jesus revealed it. It wasn't until Jesus earthed this thing or brought this thing to the surface that the aha moment came. And that's what happens when we engage with the scripture. So what? Now what? Well, what is it, God, that you're trying to say to us? So, so what happens here is Jesus probes by asking a question. But at the core, at the core is a power struggle. At the core of all of this is a power struggle because he's asking a question. And Jesus said, there's just one thing. I mean, I would think if there was just one thing, I might be able to handle that. There's just one thing. But when the one thing controls your everything, it's very difficult to make the right decision. I came across this from Mark Twain. Here's a statement by Mark Twain. He said this, after reading a letter, not his own, on the envelope after resealing it, he wrote this, opened by mistake to find out what was inside. <laughs> Ever done that? After reading a letter that was not his own, after resealing it, he wrote on the envelope, opened by mistake to find out what was inside. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to open and find out what's inside. What's inside the story? What's inside the story for Palm Sunday 2017? What's inside the story? Well, what is it that you want to say to me today, Lord? It's a question on your outline, and you may not be prepared to answer it now, maybe at the end of this message, maybe next week, but here's the question. What is the one thing you would be unwilling to give up to follow Jesus? What is the one thing? In this story, there was a one thing. There was one thing, and it controlled his everything. And because it controlled his everything, he walked away from Jesus. What is the one thing that controls your everything? That you or I would be unwilling to give up to follow Jesus. Here's what I know about this story, and we're going to get to the three points here in just a minute. He is a victim of identity theft. And he doesn't even know it. This rich young ruler is a victim of identity theft and he doesn't even know it. In today's world, we often don't even know that we're a victim of identity theft until something has been exploited or or has happened against us. I got two calls this week. Two calls this week from somebody saying, were you trying to open up a card? Were you trying to do... No, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. I'm thankful I was alerted. But how often people are not alerted to identity theft? I wonder if any of us are in this room today and we've not been alerted to some identity theft. 
Because this rich young ruler was a victim of this identity theft. Listen, there's just one thing, and I want to talk to you about the one thing because it controls your everything. And if you'll be willing to look at the one thing, you'll have riches in heaven. You'll have everything that you need. But the challenge for this young man was his identity was in what he had, not who he was. And we have got to be careful with that. We have got to be careful that our identity is not in what we have in that position or in that title or that job or whatever it is that our identity is not wrapped up in the thing. But our identity is wrapped up in our relationship with Jesus. I love this story because Jesus looked at him and he loved him. That, that is said before he tells them there's one thing you lack. So, so as we look at this story today, I know we all know this, but it's so good to remind ourselves, Jesus loves us. Do you know that? Are you really living like you know that Jesus loves you? When you meet the real Jesus, this is on your outline, when you meet the real Jesus, it is impossible to be indifferent. It's impossible. If you are, you have not met the real Jesus. Up to this point, this man had not met the real Jesus. He had religion down, but he had not met the real Jesus. And now he comes face to face with Jesus. And all of a sudden, Jesus wants to begin to speak to the identity theft that has been perpetrated against him. And the enemy comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Wonder how many of us are victims of identity theft. And the enemy's been eating our lunch, and the enemy's been labeling us, and he's been telling us things, and, 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 and it's not true. Here's what I love about the Lord. He is going to pursue you. He is going to pursue you dogmatically and intentionally, and he's going to be in your business. You should say thank you. You should say it like you mean it. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you're in my business. Thank you, Lord, that you love me enough to speak the truth. Thank you, Lord, that you love me enough not to just tell me what I think I need to hear or what I think I want to hear, rather. That was an amen right there. We want you and we, want, we need you. I don't know where you're sitting, but we want you and we need you. That was very timely, by the way. So I want us to look at three challenges that I think come to us from this text, come to us from this portion of Scripture. Now, remember, this is a face-to-face -face -face encounter with Jesus probably a day or so before he enters into Jerusalem for Holy Week. So he's probably got a lot on his mind. And we know something about this young man. And we know that there's a passion. He came running to Jesus. So I want us to look at the three challenges that this young man faced that I think we will find ourselves facing. You're probably facing one, two, or maybe three of these challenges right now. And the first one is the thinking challenge. This is the first one, the thinking challenge. When, when we come to this place, like the rich young man did, he had to think about what Jesus was saying. The thinking challenge causes us to choose purpose over success. So Jesus engages him first with a thinking challenge. Listen, I want you to think about something. He looked at him and he loved him, and then he said, there's one thing you lack. 
Go and sell everything. And immediately the man's countenance changed. Here's what we know about this young man. This young man was courageous. I mean, he just came right up to Jesus. He was enthusiastic. He didn't let anything stop him from coming up to Jesus. He was religious. He had kept the law since he was a child. Think about this. He had kept the law since he was a child, but still there was something missing, according to Jesus. It is possible to be courageous. It is possible to be enthusiastic. It is possible to keep the law and still have one thing that you lack. It is possible. And so the challenge then for us becomes, Lord, reveal what the one thing is that controls the everything. And it has to start with a thinking challenge. Young people, thank you for your enthusiasm. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your passion for the Lord. Do you know that they're going to be in an internship? There's 11 of them right now. They're going to be doing an internship this summer where they're going to be pressing into the Lord, diving into His Word, finding out what it is that God's wired and called them to do. Isn't that exciting? Love that zeal. Yeah, let's give them a hand. Love that zeal. Love that passion. Love that commitment. Here's this young man that's brought face-to-face with this thinking challenge. It's for every one of us. I'm going to be 56 in a couple weeks. The thinking challenge is for me. Lord, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? It's easy to create a scenario in our minds of what we want, which doesn't necessarily match with reality. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And here's a story where this is exactly what happens. When he comes to Jesus, he thinks he's got his stuff together. He really does. And actually, he does have his stuff together. He's courageous. He's enthusiastic. He's religious. He's got all of these things together. Good, good that he's got all the, but Jesus gets the laser pointer out. And he says, let me just talk to you about something. Let me just talk to you about what the one thing is. Because when you identify the one thing, it won't control your everything any longer. Not necessarily easy to do. Certainly wasn't easy in this case. But I wonder what the timely truths are. I wonder what the things are that we can learn from this story. Let's look at Philippians chapter 4. Listen to what Paul says. Now, dear brothers and sisters, he's concluding his letter to the church at Philippi, prison epistle, and he says, now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Here's the final thing. Fix your thoughts. Fix them. Fix them. Fix your thoughts on what is true and what is honorable what is right and what is pure and lovely and admirable. I mean, he's got this list of things that he's saying, listen, this is a thinking challenge for us. As it was for the rich young ruler, so Paul is saying this from prison to us 2,000 years later. Fix your thoughts on the thinking challenge because when you fix it on the thinking challenge, you're choosing purpose over success. Pretty sure Paul did not want to be in prison. Probably wasn't part of the plan. It probably wasn't part of his life plan. Think I'll give my life to the Lord on the Damascus Road and spend a lot of time in prison. I'm not signing up for that. Listen, if we knew what God had in store for us, we would probably not sign up for most of it. Because it takes, uh, it, it takes, a, it takes faith. 
takes us being willing to step out. So here's what I wrote on my notes, not on yours, but I wrote this on my notes. In this case, with the rich young ruler, Jesus offers more than the young man asks, and he requires more than he expected. Let me say that again because it's always going to be the case. Jesus offers the young man more than he asks, and he requires more than he expected. And he does that of his love for us. I'm glad that he's not a derelict God, aren't you? I'm glad that he's on point. I'm glad that he's paying attention because if we're not careful, it's easy. It's easy to push things down in our lives. It's easy to push things down. So it starts with thinking, Lord, is there a one thing? Is there a one thing that's controlling my everything? And if there is, Lord, would you reveal it to me? Because I want to do business with you. I want to do business with you. When I came to this church, I came in 1981, right out of the Marine Corps. I didn't know the Lord, just showed up at this church because I was in the Marine Corps with a guy that actually went to this church. We were stationed in Hawaii. We were on a ship for six months in the Indian Ocean. And he just wanted to talk about Jesus all the time. I couldn't go anywhere. Where are you going to go when you're in the middle of the Indian Ocean? Six floors below the surface of the water. And all he wants to do is talk about Faith Bible Chapel and talk about Jesus. But God was going to begin to zero in on the one thing that was controlling my everything. The thing that actually drove me to go into the military in the first place. And God was going to zero in on that one thing because the one thing was controlling my everything. I actually went into the Marine Corps because I wanted to legally be able to go and kill people without going to prison. I'm not proud to tell you that. I'm just telling you the truth. That's why I signed on the dotted line. I signed on the dotted line because I was so angry. The one thing that controlled my everything was anger. And I was so angry at 17 years old. So angry. And I'll remember it like it was yesterday. Across the TV, 52 Americans held hostage in Iran. I heard that. Graduated from high school, I heard that. In my other ear. Go in the Marine Corps and you can kill people legally and you won't go to prison. I heard those words. Go in the Marine Corps and you can kill people legally and you won't go to prison. I went and found a Marine Corps recruiter that day. And I said, sign me up. I want to go in. I want you to send me to Iran because I want to get those hostages out. I want to be able to kill people and I don't want to go to prison. I actually told him that. Went home and I told my mom, easiest contract he ever had to do. I went home and I told my mom, I said, went in the Marine Corps. She said, no, you didn't. I said, yes, I did. But God arrested me at that moment because he had a divine plan for my life and he wasn't going to let me run. Even though I ran as fast as I could and as hard as I could to try to get away from the Lord, God was in my business. MCRD, San Diego, California, boot camp. 11 weeks, come home, back for 30 days, infantry training school, on an airplane, Kaneohe Marine Corps Air Station in Hawaii. Month later, USS New Orleans, Indian Ocean, coast of Iran. Four months after, go in the Marine Corps. God was after my one thing, which was my everything. Who does that? Who goes into the Marine Corps so you can kill people and don't go to prison? 
People have, that have something that controls their everything. That's what I had. And God was just going to, he was going to go after it. And he went after it. I'm thankful he went after it. Listen, this whole deal of walking with the Lord is a challenge, isn't it? It's the greatest reward. It's the greatest thing that you'll ever experience. But listen, he's going to read your mail. He's going to read your mail. You've got mail and he's going to read it. And he's going to write it. So the thinking challenge. Don't let one thing control your everything. Number two. Number two is the choice challenge. Number two is the choice challenge. Where we're going to choose surrender over being controlled. Chose that intentionally, not surrender over being in control. Choose surrender over being controlled because the truth of the matter is this rich young ruler was controlled. He didn't even know it. His whole life was being controlled and he didn't even know it. At the core of this story, and I believe this, at the core, at the center of this story is really this. The issue here is not that Jesus is trying to change the man's behavior. He's actually trying to change the man's God. He's not going after the behavior. He's not going after that he's rich and he's young. He's going after the man's God. Jesus found his idol. That's what it was. The one thing that controlled his everything was his idol. It was the idol. It was the thing that was controlling his life. Listen, an idol is just something, anything, something, anything that, that, that is going to control us, that tries to control us, tries to control our thought life, it tries to control our behavior, it tries to control our actions, anything like that. So, so Jesus moves this man so brilliantly from the thinking challenge to the choice. And he moves him right into the arena of the choice. Hey, there's just one thing you lack. Go and sell everything that you own and give it to the poor and then you're going to have each can't do that, Jesus. Can't do that. Because really what Jesus was doing was going after his idol. Look what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10. Peter spoke up. We've left everything. We've left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one, say no one, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields along with persecutions and in this age and in the age to come. Here, here we have Jesus continuing on with, listen, you're going to have to make the choice to surrender Because if you don't make the choice to surrender, there's the possibility that you're being controlled somewhere. I tell you a true story. Say, please do. I'm happy to. Here we go. So, Monday, I go to the doctors, that regular checkup that you have to go to once or twice a year. Wait in the waiting room. As soon as you walk through the waiting room door, the lady or whoever it is greets you. They walk you through. Where do they stop? Before they take you to a room, where do they stop? They stop at the scale. Say scale. Scale. 
I know that's a bad word for some people. They stop at the scale. So here's, here's what I find myself doing. And I'm just going to tell them myself before somebody tells on me. I find myself face to face with this little square thing on the floor that is controlling my behavior. It is manipulating me. It is telling me all kinds of stuff. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Do you know that's what an idol does? An idol manipulates you and it tells you all kinds of stuff. And so here's this little thing on the floor. Now, I got to tell you honestly what I engaged in. I engaged in negotiations. I'm telling you, I did. I engaged in negotiations and I convinced her to not make me get on the scale. She didn't make me get on it. I said, I had a big lunch. I did. I told, I, you know, I said, I had a big lunch. I said, I got boots on today. I said, I know what I weigh. So I'm walking away and I'm looking at that little square thing called a scale on the floor that has just manipulated my behavior and intimidated me and bullied me. Now, I know none of you struggle with that little manipulator. So I'm just telling you the struggle. Here, here's the reality of it. At the end of the day, it's not about behavior modification. That Jesus was not interested at all in behavior modification. It was about worship alteration. Listen, I don't want you worshiping this idol of your riches anymore. There's one thing you lack, and it's the everything. So it's not about, it's not about behavior modification. It's about worship alteration. So really what Jesus is saying when he says there's one thing, he's looking for the idol. He's coming after it. He's coming after the idol. You can know you have an idol if it controls your behavior. Anger controlled my behavior. If it influences your decision-making, it might be the one thing that is controlling your everything. So we have to move from the thinking challenge to the choice challenge to the final challenge. And here's the final challenge, which is the change challenge. Here, here it is. It's the change challenge. We have to move to choose the important over the urgent. We have to choose that which is important. God wants what is important to be first and foremost in our lives, not what we feel is urgent. I, just making a list of what some of those idols could be that could challenge us. It could be riches. Certainly, it could be riches. It could be fame or success. It could be that. It could be fame or success. It could be your persona. You don't want anybody to see you ever struggle. You don't want anybody to ever see you don't have it together. It could be just the air, just the way that you carry yourself. It could be entitlement. Do you know that could be an idol? If you feel, well, I, I earned it. I, I deserve it. What did we deserve? Death, hell, and the grave. <laughs> right? And he gave us life, and he gave, gave us life abundant. Pride. Pride can be an idol. Pride was part of his idol. I can't leave it, Jesus. I can't walk away. Your identity, that scale on the floor talking to me, manipulating my behavior. Religion. Religion. For the man, it was religion. Man, I got it together, Jesus. I've kept all these things, not done one of them wrong. Kept them all. Fear. Could be fear. So our challenge here is that 
This is a radical request by Jesus because he sees it all. He wants us to enter into a thinking challenge, followed by a choice challenge, and then followed by the change challenge. Lord, I'm going to accept this. I hear what you're saying to my heart. Here's what Jesus was saying at the end of all of this. I do not want your religion. I want relationship. That's what I want with you. One thing you lack, go and sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. I'm going to take care of you. But I'm not interested in your religion. And idols can become religion. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18. We close with this. At that time, this is a, right before the telling of this same story in Matthew's gospel. Disciples came to Jesus and said, who can be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Called the little child to him, placed the little child among them and said, truly I tell you, unless you change, say change, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Listen, let me just say this. If you've confessed with your mouth, you believed in your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ, you're saved and you're going to heaven. Say amen. amen. You're going to heaven. The challenge for us today is, is there an idol? We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.